Right, you guys give it up to Michael. He's going to come and share tonight. Uh, thrilled to have him here. That's all you mean. Get situated. What it do? Y'all good? There we go. Now it's not muffly. Y'all good? All right. All right. We are to that point in the semester, aren't we? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all tired? Y'all kind of done with like class? Like education sounded real good until like right about now. And then it's like, I don't really even care about that degree. They can have it. I don't want it, right? We to that point yet? You know what sounds good right about now? You know what sounds good right about now? Road trip. Right? I mean, who's down for a road trip? Like, I have had a week and a half of just like, like, you wouldn't even have to twist my arm and I'm ready for a road trip. You know what I'm saying? Like, and here's the thing about a good road trip. It does not matter where you're going, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you ain't never been a road, on a road trip and you didn't know where you were going when you started, I don't know if you've ever been on a road trip. You know, like, like sometimes you just get in the car and go. And you got to figure some stuff out along the way and try to figure out where you go because it doesn't matter where you go. And quite honestly, on a good road trip, it doesn't even matter what you do. I'm not talking about a vacation. I ain't talking about being bougie. This is not, I'm talking about a road trip. There is only one thing you need for a good road trip. A playlist. <laughs> right? You need a good playlist. If you ain't got a playlist, you ain't ready to go. Now, now I, I keep a playlist that is prepared for a road trip. I do, keep it on my phone all the time. And here's the thing, if you need some wisdom, maybe you've never been on a road trip before, maybe you've never been like on a little road trip, you get with some of your friends, it's always been like mom in the car, or grandma, and grandma got the radio, and you're like, well, get us there, Jesus. Like, like, I understand, I understand. But on this playlist you're gonna develop, okay, for, for your road trip, it is imperative that you have the majority of the songs gotta be old school. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you need some bangers that you can just sing, you know? You can just, like, that everybody knows all the words to. So, several weeks ago, my wife and I, we had, to, we had a little road trip we had to do. And so we had to pull out the playlist. And my playlist, now, you, you may not know these songs, because like Matt was saying, we've been friends for a minute. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy, it's crazy. But like, like, I'm a little older, than you. And so, so, so the songs that, that like kind of, kind of pop up, pop up from a, like this, like this different millennium called the nineties, right? <laughs> like back when I, back when I was listening to music all the time and all this stuff, my childhood, it is like all this music from the nineties. So when me and Minnie get in the car, we listen to these songs from the nineties and we listen to things like MC Hammer. Y'all don't know about MC Hammer. <laughs> See, good road trip songs are one hit wonders, right? Yeah. Too legit, too legit to quit. Hey, you know, like, like you need this, like, like your, your little road trip needs to, needs to settle down with Coolio. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know about Gangsta's Paradise. Y'all don't remember when I walk through the valley. Yeah, y'all don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, see, we, we, we were listening to now. I, I grew up, like Matt said, we met a youth group. So like, I've been in church for a minute. So, so we got, we got church songs in here too. And church songs from the nineties. All of a sudden when Kirk Franklin comes on out of nowhere, I'm ready for it. I am ready for a book of revelation. It's, ah, let's go. Let's go, Kirk. Let's go, Kirk. Ready for it. But we were on the trip, and there was this one song that, that came on. And again, it's, it, most of these were one-hit wonders, right? They just they had their little moment. It lasted like 13 minutes. They didn't even get their 15 minutes of fame, and then we go. But there was this one song that popped on, and it's by this dude who literally has only had one song. One song. And then like a, like a home renovation show, but one song. <laughs> Y'all know about Vanilla Ice? Oh, yeah. Ice, Ice, baby. 
All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Do you know every word? See, if you grew up when I grew up, you know every word to all the verses. Uh-huh. You know to stop, collaborate, and listen. The ice is back with a brand new, yeah, you know it. You know the whole thing. And then you get to the end of verse one. The end of verse one, right before, you know, it kind of gets a little chorus there. And he makes this statement that is very important for us on tonight. He says, if there was a problem, y'all all solve it. Y'all all solve it. Come on, just say that. Say, y'all all solve it. Yeah, come on, say it with a little attitude. Say, yo, I'll solve it. Yo, I'll solve it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he, he comes to this and he says, if there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. And tonight for a minute, like, I want to I wanna turn your attention to problems for a second. Because when Matt shared this series that you guys are doing that I think is wonderful, I had to think personally for a second about, like, what God, like, has put me on this planet to do. Yeah. And... This word that I always come back to isn't problems, but it's always connected to problems. It's this word that I'm going to spend a few minutes tonight talking about that is a burden. And, you know, burdens can feel a lot like problems. In fact, a lot of times burdens look like problems. They look like problems on the surface. Sometimes on your bad days, they feel like problems. It's just like, like I felt, oh, but it's a problem. But it's a problem you feel compelled to solve. And so I want to take a little time tonight and look at someone in the scriptures that for me really um, like I identify with. You know what I'm saying? You know how you meet people sometimes and it's like, man, we click. I read about some of these people in the Bible and I'm like, no, like we ain't got nothing in common. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like you read about Daniel. Y'all ever read about Daniel in the Bible? I don't know if you read about the early parts of Daniel. You know about him in the lion's den. You know what it talks about when he was young? That he was like good looking and smart and strong. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, like that wasn't me. Like, what are we doing? Like, I do not identify with you at all. But I read about Nehemiah and there's something in his story that I'm like, yeah, that's me. And the question I have for you tonight is just, is just this. Could it be that God has you here to help solve a problem? Are there problems around you? Problems in your city? Problems in where you're from? Even if where you're from is down the street? Like, like are there issues that you're like, you know what? There's a problem that bothers me. Like, there are problems that just... Sometimes I think about them and I ain't even supposed to be thinking about it. I'm supposed to be focused on class, but my mind is over here on this problem. What do I do with that problem? Maybe I can help give you a little, little clarity from the scriptures on what to do with that tonight. Let's look at a few verses together, okay? Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read four verses real quick, and I'm going to fill you in on a lot of Nehemiah's life and his story and all this kind of stuff. But Nehemiah chapter 1, this is the way... The scripture reads, it says the words of Nehemiah, because he wrote this self-titled work, son of Hakaliah, during the month of Chislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress of Susa, he just telling you where he was. Basically, I'm located in the fortress near Susa, and this is when it was. Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about, the Jerus about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned down. When I heard these words, 
I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Have you ever had a moment that like wrecked you, but in the best kind of way? Like that moment just like hit you and it was like, oh, mm, and I will never be the same because of that. This was that moment for Nehemiah. This moment though was interesting. See, his brother comes back from going to see their homeland. Like all these Jewish people, Nehemiah didn't find himself, even though he's a Jewish person, in Jewish territory. He was serving another king and he was doing some work, so he found himself over in Susa. But his brother goes back to the homeland and he comes back from the homeland. And, and if you don't live around here or if you ever like, like have friends or family that go away, they go to where you're from and then come back, what do you do when they come back? You get together with them, right? And you sit down and be like, hey, tell me, tell me, how's it going? How's the house? Can you go see the house? How's everything on the block? Did you go see the school? You go see the street? Man, is that restaurant? You know the one we use? I always eat it all the time. Is that still there? You ask them. That's just what you do. That's what happens here with Nehemiah. Nehemiah's brother goes to their hometown, but Nehemiah understands that the hometown is not like it's supposed to be. And so he sits down with them. Any questions? They just have a conversation like you would. Going, hey, talk to me. Talk to me about what's going on. And his brother gives him a report. But it's interesting because it should have been the report that Nehemiah expected to get. But he starts talking about, man, dude, it's rough in Jerusalem. Like the walls, they ain't got no walls no more. See, walls to a city in that day, in that culture, were their, were their protection. But it wasn't only their protection. It also spoke to its preeminence. You were a good city if you had good walls. You didn't have good walls, maybe that... Who would want to move there? You know, like, like, and he starts talking about how the walls are turned, torn down. And it's just, it, there's chaos inside. And it's, it's still, it's, it's like it was destroyed yesterday, even though it had been generations since it was destroyed. And Nehemiah hears this. And it's like in that moment, this problem that he was aware of, this problem that he, he knew about, like it found him. You know, that's the thing about the problem that may come to your mind when I bring it up to you. You don't have to go look for a problem to solve. I promise you this. God will make sure your problem finds you. <laughs> See, I'm not, I, I'm not talking to you about trying to invent something ain't nobody ever seen before. I'm not here to talk to you about trying to, trying to think of something. I'm talking to you about the thing that you've probably always had over on the side of your mind, even since you were like a junior in high school, thinking about... Why is this this way? Why do they have to live in that? Why do they have to go to schools like that? A problem. A problem. A problem that you know about, but yet maybe at some point in your life, it's like, it's like it hit you. See, the problem that God wants you to solve isn't hiding under a rock. It's actually probably right in front of your face. It's probably something you see, pass by, interact with every single day. The problem is most of us get consumed with our own priorities, don't we? Most of us get so overwhelmed with what I need for me, what I want for me, what I want for my life, what my future is about. Come on, we focus on them verses, don't we? He's going to give me a hope and a future. Yes, he is. I'll take that. And forget about the problem. We forget about that thing that God was like bothering our heart about. Or we're waiting on God to like pick us up 
and make us go do whatever. But can I tell you something about God's purpose for your life? I don't know if you're like me, but man, when I was in college, I thought a whole lot about God's will for my life. Like, I mean, shoot, you, this 849 on a Wednesday night here in the heart of the semester and you are in like Bible study. I think there's a good chance that some of you have this like feeling on the inside of you that like I want to do what God wants me to do with my life on some level. Can I tell you how he gets you there most of the time? He burdens you. Most of you are like, no, 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 I'm waiting for God to do the little thing like over at the pizza place, you know, where they pick me up like I'm one of them little ducks and drop me in the vending machine. And God, this is the city I'm supposed to be in. This is the career. Come on, this is the place. Most of the time he just burdens you. He gives you a burden to steward. He gives you a burden to wrestle with. He gives you a problem and he says, hey, you gonna get involved in solving this? See, what happens for us is we realize something and then we can't shake it. We realize that maybe in our city, if you're a single mom, the opportunity for you to find quality, affordable housing so your kids can grow up in a stable environment almost does not exist. And you can't shake it. You can't shake the moment that you tried to help somebody get into a duplex only to literally hear the landlord lie to you to your face while you're trying to help them get in because he's playing the system because he's trying to take advantage of a mom who got five kids and ain't got nowhere to stay except the minivan she drove up in. And something hits you then that you just can't shake. You start to recognize that there are kids that just because of the zip code they're born in, just because of what their address is, they are set up for a terrible education. Not because the teachers don't care, not because the principals don't care, not because the superintendent doesn't care, but literally because they're not resourced in a way to be able to have the education that somebody that lives four miles away from them or seven miles away from them or just two blocks south, but they're zoned for a different school gets to go to. And you just can't shake it. You can't shake the fact that there are people in your own city and you live like in what they call the Bible Belt, right? That don't know Jesus at all. Like at all at all. Like have never, have never seen or been communicated to or shown a Jesus who would give their life for them. They, don't, they only know a Jesus that's, that's condescending and demeaning. They, 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 know a, they know a white right wing Jesus and it's like, who is Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus ain't got thin lips like that. Like, no, my Jesus, no, 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 my Jesus looked different. And they've never seen or heard about what Jesus has done for them. And it, it breaks your heart. See, the interesting thing about Nehemiah here is this particular issue wasn't unique to Nehemiah. He had heard it before, but this time he couldn't shake it. This wasn't new information to Nehemiah. It was common knowledge in that day that Jerusalem was torn down. Jerusalem was a wreck because when the Babylonians went in to take over that land, they, 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 they went for it and ripped their heart out. Like, right, so they took their not only political center, their religious center, and they decimated the thing. That's where Nehemiah was from. He knew this. But yet for some reason in a conversation that's recorded in Nehemiah chapter one with his brother, it, um, it bothered him greatly. And he became not content to leave it like it was. What does this mean for you? 
Well, here's what I'm trying to say. You don't have to go find a burden to carry. It'll find you. And when it comes along and meets you on your journey, even though you were only 16 when you found out, and it felt that way, even though you were only 19 and it was like, oh, what? What are you going to do with this burden? See, I wrote this down in my notes. It's kind of it's long, but I'm just going to read it to you. I said, way too often people are looking to God to do all these nice, neat, and noble things that make your life easier. But what if God really wants to do is to break your heart about something? Like we want God to like, God bless me. And God wants to bless you. God provide for me. And God wants to provide for you. But what if what he really wants to do, if you really take like a step and kind of follow him, what if what he really wants to do is he wants to break your heart? It was an old song that said, for what breaks his. What if that's what God wants you to do? What if that's what God, maybe even this semester, wants to do in your heart? Is he wants to break your heart for something that his heart is broken for? Because this is what happens to Nehemiah. You see, whatever's broken right now remains broken because nobody's been burdened enough to run toward it. That's the only reason it's broken. It's not broken because it's not fixable. This is podcast I love. You should listen to some of it sometimes. Some of it's a little boring, but some of it's pretty good. It's called the Unsolvable Podcast. Have you heard of this? So you're like, what? Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's called the Unsolvable Podcast. And what they do is they tackle these global issues and talk about how things like, like, like everybody on the planet getting clean water, even though there are over a billion people on the planet that do not have access to clean water. And it's the number one like, killer of people worldwide. And it has been for generations. But that problem is solvable. They talk about how the homeless epidemic is actually a solvable problem in the United States. Like we could do something about it. And they, they talk through strategy. See, problems aren't problems because they're unsolvable. The reason they're not solved is because ain't nobody ran toward it yet. The reason they're not solved is because somebody didn't get burdened enough to go run toward it. But if you'll get burdened and you won't let anything stop you from doing what God called you to do. You'll get this determination on the inside of you where it doesn't matter how long it takes. See, some people want a, want a, want a problem to solve that takes, uh, can I get this done before I go to bed? <laughs> like, I'll be up till midnight, but can I get this handled today? Because if so, then I'll do it. If not, I'm not here for it. What if the problem God's going to give you, you devote your whole life to? What if you're so burdened that it doesn't matter what it costs because you, you, you've run the number and you know how this can get fixed. You know how this can happen. But there are more zeros on there than ought to be there. Like, what do I do with this? You know what I've learned? Your burden will fuel you when your reality frustrates you. Your burden will fuel you when, you're, when, when you ain't got enough hours in the day to do what you feel like God has called you to do, your burden will fuel you. When, you, when you, 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 you've been working on this thing for a while, and you've been trying, you've been taking steps, but it feels like every time you share this with somebody, they're like, oh, that's cute for you, and they run from you. <laughs> run fast, they run. Like, you didn't even know they could run like that. I didn't know big folk could run. Like, they gone, you know? Your burden will fuel you when your reality frustrates you. I know what you're thinking. You're like, bro, I'm 19 years old. Uh, this is all cute, inspirational. Good job. <laughs> but uh, I'm not Nehemiah. You know, like, like I'm not like biblical, 
biblical purport. You know, like that ain't me. Like I'm not biblical. Like that's just not me. Or is it? Or is it? See, before you rule yourself out and think that being burdened is for someone else who's more important. Someone else who's like on book of the Bible level. You know, you're like, I'm not like book of the Bible. Like someone else who's on that. Could I for a minute explain to you something about Nehemiah that Nehemiah told about himself? See, there's this interesting way that the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah is written. I read you the first four verses. That's the way we started. It's more of like a setup for what goes on, where Nehemiah was. And his brother comes back and he hears about what's going on in Jerusalem. And he knew about it before, but this time it like breaks his heart. Now he's got to sit down and he cries out to the God of heaven. And then verse five picks up. And from verse five to verse 10, it's there in the Bible app. If you're following along, like there from five to 10, he actually just prays to God. He's like, God, fix this. God, do something. God, we, 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 we deserve this. Like, we, we have been honoring you, and that's why the people came in, and they tore down our walls, but God! And then it's weird, because chapter 2 begins, and it starts to tell the story, like what he does. Like, he gets on it. But in verse 11 of Nehemiah chapter 1, there's one little note that Nehemiah gives you about himself that I find so interesting and maybe so important for you tonight. He says this, at the time, he just got up praying, at the time that I got burdened, at the time that all this hit me, here's what he says. I was the king's cupbearer. Say, what? What's that mean? Sounds like he had a government job. That probably pays good. Bet he has some insurance and some retirement for this. Like, his job, hear me, got him access. But he was expendable. Here's what a cupbearer did for the king. Before the king would drink anything, he's at the party, he needs his morning coffee, whatever. Before the king drank anything, a cupbearer was present to take the cup, take a sip of it, and see how that person responded. Because other nations and other people often would have some stuff with that king. And they wanted to make sure the king didn't die by being poisoned by somebody back in the kitchen that didn't nobody see. So the cupbearer had access to the king, but the cupbearer was expendable. Like, like there was a, there was quite the bullpen of cupbearers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Nehemiah, Dad, can y'all, can y'all go get Hezekiah? We need Hezekiah. His services are now needed. Let's go. Funeral will be on Friday. Like, like Nehemiah had access. Can you imagine him in his job, thinking that, like, when he really does his job, he actually is dead. Like for him to really like full on serve, full on do what he's supposed to do. And then he dies. A guy with a job like that, I don't think feels real powerful. Doesn't feel like, yeah, you know, I'm, I work for the king. That's not what he said. He said, I'm the king's cupbearer. I'm not some leadership expert. That's what Nehemiah gets known as. Because Nehemiah was this incredible strategist and he put together this incredible plan and they did this great work. And people are like, oh, Nehemiah the leader. Nehemiah is like, pump the brakes on all this stuff. At the time that I was burdened, all I did was sip the king's coffee before the king drank it to make sure the king wouldn't die. I had access to the king. But really, I was Expendable. Too many people rule themselves out 
Because they think they're not what they need to be for God to use them. See, some of you are burdened about stuff. And the truth is, you think somebody who like is holier than you, like probably needs to be burdened, and then you'll run along with them. Let's go, let's go. Or you think somebody older than you needs to get like a vision for that so you can fall in line. Uh, somebody, somebody who has a few degrees, somebody who's a little more connected, somebody who grew up in a different part of town and can bring some resources with them. No, 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 no. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. So that means the question has to be something entirely different. The question is not, can God use you? Because some of you, that's what's put the brakes on you stepping towards this burden. The question is not, can God use you? Here's the question. Will you let, you, will you let God break your heart about something? Will you let him break your heart? Will you let him break your heart for people that are far from him? Will you, will you, will you let him break your heart about, about kids who are going to be pushed through an educational system without the foundational resources they need to actually even get a job when they graduate. One day my life changed not too far from here. I was at Sherwood Elementary. I was helping with this reading program. And I sat across the table from a fourth grade boy. And this, this program that I was a part of, what we did is we had sight words for kids. And they're just words that, and you know, English is goofy, right? Like in English, you just kind of have to know. You just have to be able to see and know that that word is like lead or led, read, read. There ain't no clap it out, ain't none of that. Ain't no hooked on fine school either. You just have to know it, right? And I sat across from a fourth grader. And at the time, my son was in fourth grade. And I said, and my son is not like, he's not like scholastically, <laughs> like, like we, we, we hold down the C. We keep the C on lock. You know, we celebrate C. C is for celebration in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I sat across from this fourth grade boy and I remember holding up the word lead. He just looked at me. He had no idea what this was. I was not in another country. I was not in another county. I was around the corner. Around the corner. From here. So this ain't right. That story I was telling you earlier about having a landlord say one thing to me and say another thing to a single mom trying to get into a house. That happened to me two years ago. Two years ago, I, I made calls for this mom who's got five kids doing the best she can. And I make a call and hear one thing, hang up the phone, give her my phone. She picks up the phone and hears another thing. Her thing she hears, way more difficult to handle than my thing. Price went up when she called. Why? Because of how she sounded? Because she was a female and I'm a male? Why? See, these are the things that have burdened me. That I can't shake. That keep me up at night.
I often say, like, God didn't give me a vision for the church that we started. But he put a burden on the inside of me I can't shake. And that's why I do what I do. And the thing is, what God wants to do for you and in you is not just paint this picture of some Pollyanna version of, the, of, of your future and you got this gigantic one. Like, maybe. But what if what God really wants to do is break your heart for something? That's what happened with Nehemiah. And what's crazy about Nehemiah is in 52 days, Nehemiah led a rebuild project that they had spent generations saying would never be done because God's hand was on it and because he ran toward his burden. Most people hear a problem and they run from it. Or let me just talk it real Memphis. Most people hear a problem and they need to move from it to find some more quality, something like. What if God wants to break your heart? What if he's been trying to? But you've been more concerned about your dream than his burden. See, it was 10 years ago that God started breaking my heart for our city. City I grew up in. I'm from Memphis. I went to school in Dallas. I lived in Dallas for several years. But I'm born, raised in Memphis. And, but it was 10 years ago that God started breaking my heart for our city. Burdening me for it. It was never in my plan to start a church. It was never in my plans to try to figure out how to provide quality, affordable housing for single moms. But here we are. It was never in my plans to be like, oh, what we're going to do is, is we're going we're gonna to leverage people's generosity not to, not to build a bigger building for the church, but to make sure like 500 kids can get Christmas, like real Christmas. Not like some Tic Tac, but like real Christmas. That, that's what we're going to do. These were not in my plans. Ten years ago, what I was actually thinking about doing is I was, I was serving in a church. And it was fine. It was a big church. and Everything was good. I just didn't like it there. So I was taking calls from other places. I was thinking about moving to Chicago. Or moving to, actually, I was probably going to move to Houston. Or maybe Minneapolis. Like, I had options. And I was trying to weigh out these options. And I wasn't even looking to have my heart broken. And boom, right there. Walking out of a Grizzlies game. That's why I love the Grizzlies. Walking out of a Grizzlies game. I kid you not, I'll take you to the spot. God broke my heart. When I least expected some of you, maybe even in the last 20 minutes or so, maybe there are things coming to your mind. Maybe in the next month or two, you're going to drive down the street. You've driven down a million times. But you're going to see something you've never seen before. You're going to notice something that's never been aware to you before. And that will be the moment that you either decide to let God break your heart or to say, no, God, I'm going to pass. Nehemiah let God break his heart. See, I feel like my calling to a certain extent, <laughs> the thing I got to say is to kind of empty the American dream off of people. Because, you know, that American dream, like, will consume you. The problem is there's no place for God to fill you with his burden if you're full of that dream. 
If everything that drives you is getting the biggest house you could afford, the biggest house on your block, the, the, the most impressive house in your family, ha having a car that people have to stop and be like, hey, like if that's what drives you, oh, having a bit like there's nothing wrong. Have all that stuff. But what if that stuff came along with you and what your eye was set on was a burden that you let God break your heart for? So what does this mean for you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it means for you. I don't know. It may mean you change your major. Because you've been thinking about it for like a year. But if you change your major, you're going to be in school longer. And if you're in school longer, that doesn't feel good. And that career path like makes pennies on the dollar compared to the direction you're going now, but the direction you're going now, the only thing it'll fill is a bank account. That fills something on the inside of you. I don't know what it means. Some of you, it may mean to get involved with the organization you've been hearing about because of how they serve and what they do and what they give or the people that they're serving, the kids of this. I mean, like, man, I got to do something with that. You've been trying to push it down, push it down. I don't know what it means. But I know God is looking for people who, rather than ignore their burdens, will run toward them. He's looking for people who will not despise their present place in reality. But like Nehemiah, recognized that the moment that God broke my heart, man, I was just a college student. I was just a dude looking for my next job. <laughs> Hold this one down, but trying to figure out where I was about to move to. And trying to celebrate a win. God broke my heart. Will you let your heart break for what God wants your heart to break for? See, I don't know what it is, but I wrote this down. But if you can't shake it, then it's time to start to stop running from it and start running toward it. I don't know what it is for you. But if you can't shake it, there's a reason you can't shake it. I had somebody, I had somebody call me six months ago and offered to pay me, me, more money than our entire church brought in the whole previous year. I said, no, because you can't buy my burden. See, God's looking for some people who, like the scripture said, will set their face as flints toward him. Like they will lock into the burden that he's given you and say, I'm, I'm going to run this thing out. I'm going to do this because it makes me famous. No, because people will think I'm successful if I no. because for whatever reason, God decided to break my heart for that. That's what Nehemiah did. And my prayer for you is that you would just be open tonight to let God break your heart. Just open to it. I don't know what it means. It, it doesn't mean some like life of poverty. It doesn't mean some like I'm going to now be a nun. Like, like that means I can't get married. No, <laughs> like, not at all. It just means that whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do. He ain't going to be able to shake me from this until this is done. One of the things I love about Nehemiah that he says one time, these people are making fun of him 
Some of y'all are familiar with the Bible and you know this. Some of you, you know, this, this isn't there. This is fantastic. But these people are making fun of him. They're, um, <laughs> whenever I tell the, this part of the, of the story, I often picture the people who are name calling Nehemiah as like white people because um, they're trying to like check Nehemiah, but it's like terrible. It's like, you're as strong as a feather. <laughs> Man, you never made it through fifth grade lunch. Like, what are you talking about? Like, your mom's like, like, get out of me with your big. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, but they start ridiculing Nehemiah and tell him, "Man, you come down here and talk to us." And he says, "No, no, no, no you don't understand. The work we're doing is too important to come down." And some of you, the burden God's going to give you is going to feel like that to you. It don't matter what anybody else said, man. What I'm doing is too important. I don't care. I don't care. Like what God called me to do is too important. This matters too much to these kids. This matters too much to this. Like it matters too much. I ain't got time for y'all. I'm going to stay on what God called me to do. Would you close your eyes for a second just for a moment of concentration, a moment of privacy? And if you're like here tonight, and I'm going to ask you to be bold, but bold with people's eyes. All spaced out so people can't even feel nothing. But if you just say, Michael, I will open my heart to let God break it however he wants to. Whatever he wants to burden me with, I'm open. You may not even know what it is. That's fine. You may have never even thought about having God break your heart. You thought, I thought God put my heart back together. No, sometimes he wants to break it for things that break his. And you just say, man, I, like, I want God to break my heart for what breaks his. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. You say, man, that's me. Like whatever it means, whatever it costs me, wherever I got to move to, wherever I got to stay at. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. If you got your hand up, no, you're not alone. I want to pray for you. God, you see every one of us with our hand up. My hand's still up. God, you know how I've been trying to walk this thing out best I can for 10 years. Trying to figure out what it meant for five years. And then been trying to do it for five. Sometimes I feel like I know, and sometimes I feel like I got no idea. God, you see the faith in this room. God, and what I pray is that you break their heart for the things that break yours. God, break their heart for people. God, break their heart for communities. Break their heart for neighborhoods. God, I pray you give them wisdom and ideas and strategy like you gave Nehemiah. Oh, you gave Nehemiah so much insight and wisdom and he handled it all the right way. God, I pray this room would be filled with people who don't just... Who don't just have an idea, but their heart breaks. And they, and they run that thing to you. And whether it, it becomes something that gets five years of their life. Or the next 50 years of their life. God, I pray. God, I pray that this would be a moment they look back to. To go, God, that's when I opened my heart up to you. To let you break it. For what you want to do through me. God, I pray you give them the determination and the strength, God, to walk this thing out every day of their life. God, I love you and I thank you. I pray all this in your precious name.
Amen. Amen. Listen, guys, I'm proud of you. What an incredible time in your life to begin to make a decision to say, man, whatever God has for me, whatever he wants to do with me, through me, like I'm in. Be open to it. Because I'll tell you this. I've never lived more complete than living broken. I've never experienced more fullness than living this life where a lot of times I feel real empty. God's going to take care of you. God's going to be with you. He's going to go before you, beside you, behind you. He's going to be with you. You just stay broken. Stay broken. Because there's a problem. There's also some people now who are going to say, you know what? Yo, I solve it, right? I solve it. Like it may be a problem right now, but think like this. Ten years from now, it may not be a problem. When you've poured your life out like a drink offering, like 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 Paul said, when you've poured your life out like that, like like maybe people look back and go, that's not a problem anymore. That school ain't like that. That zip code ain't like that anymore. That pro- that's not a problem anymore, cause. They ran towards it. Listen, I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. Matt, do you want to come close? I don't know how y'all close. Sorry to say. <laughs> my church. Don't listen, dude.